started four weeks ago our, our new series on, on what it means to be a follower of the great peacemaker Jesus Christ uh, in this world of ours. And, and we saw the first week how, how peace is such an absolute priority for God that, that He was willing to send His own Son uh, to make peace with us and, and, and to call us His children. And we saw uh, the week after that how, how that same peace which God has made between us and Himself translates into peace uh, between us as, as fellow Christians, uh, a unity uh, within the church. Uh, uh, Paul calls it in Ephesians 4, the, the bond of, of the Spirit, uh, no, let me rephrase it, the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Last week we saw that, that, that this, this unity, this bond of peace can, can be threatened when, when instead of bearing with one another in love, we start playing the blame game and, and we, we start accusing so-and-so and the other person of, of being the one who's at the fault with, without even thinking, well, have I contributed to this circumstance at all, to this conflict, to this fight? You know, wouldn't it be great if, if every time a, a conflict or a flight, a flight, a, a fight came into our lives, wouldn't it be so great if, if, if the first thing we did was to look at ourselves and examine our hearts honestly and truly and, 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 and see whether we, can, well, whether we can bear with one another in love? Rather than um, you know, pouring gasoline over the flames of a fight, wouldn't it be great if we were peacemakers? If we sowed seeds of peace? I mean, wouldn't it be brilliant if, if the world could look at our church and say, there is a group who has a peace which we just cannot explain. <laughs> There's no conflict ever. They're always putting the other person first. I mean, wouldn't it be great if, if the hallmark of the spirit of this, this bond of peace is just stamped so deeply into our lives that, that it defines us and it defines all of our relationships? I mean, I believe that that is what God calls us to strive for, for that sort of community of absolute peacemaking being the, the, the priority in our relationships with one another. But you know, if, if we're honest with ourselves and with myself, I have to say that oh, it comes so naturally to, to sow a bit of discord. You know, to sow a bit of disharmony and disunity. And I reckon it's because although we are brothers and sisters in Christ, although God has saved us and, and, and united us to Himself, until the day Jesus comes back, we've still we've got the vestiges of our old self. We're dragging the leftovers of the old man, the old sinner that we used to be. And it still, every now and again, comes up and grabs hold of us and, and, and we do things which are contrary to the will of God. And, and we can cry out like Paul does in Romans, look, I, I want to do the things that, 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 I'll make, that, that make me like Jesus, but I don't do them. And, and look, I don't want to do the things of my old sinful lifestyle, but, but those very things I do. I mean, until Jesus comes back, it's, it's like we're refugees who have been granted asylum by God from, from sin and death, but, 
But until Jesus comes back, we're still surrounded by, by who we were, by the temptations of our old life. We're, we're still tempted by that, that slimy, grotty sin. Well, King David certainly did know all about this. The Bible tells us that, that King David was, was a man after God's own heart. I mean, he's a man who trusted God in just such an incredible way. He had this close relationship with God. He, he really loved God. But, but, you know, you read through his story in those, those first few books of the Old Testament and, and just time and again, this great man of God sins. I mean, one of the biggest ones that comes to mind is, um, is the whole incident with, between him and Bathsheba. I mean, you remember the story, he looked and he saw this, this, uh, this beautiful woman and, and he lusted after her and he, and he had her brought to him, found out she was married, so he had his, uh, her, wife, her husband Uriah killed off. I mean, King David was a man of God, but he was capable of, of, of such sin. And you and I today know God through Jesus in, in a way which David could only dream of, but aren't we just as capable of sin as David? This morning we're looking at uh, one of my favorite psalms. Um, in good company, it's one of Augustine, the church father's favorite psalms as well. Uh, I believe Luther is pretty keen on this one as well. It's a great psalm. And I just love the way David begins Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Um, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, in whose spirit there is no deceit. I like the NIV translation, but that word blessed sounds all churchified, doesn't it? That sounds, ooh, la di da di da blessed. Blessed be the man. Blessed be the man. Blessed be the man. Woman as well. You know, what David is getting at there is, is not a solemn sort of blessed, blessed. But what David is, I mean, what he's really getting at, the words there really mean, what joy. What happiness. What, what, what a thrill for the person who knows that God has handled their sin. I mean, this, this you, cannot say that, you cannot say it with a straight face, blessed be the man. This is, blessed be the man! Wow, brilliant! I mean, that God has forgiven us all of our wrongdoings, that, that, that we're right with God, that, that there's nothing standing between us and Him, that, that He has made peace with us. I mean, what does Paul say? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the righteous for the unrighteous. Blessed be the person. Happy be the person. I mean, what, what does he say? Verse 1, the, the first bit. What joy it is to know that our transgressions are forgiven. I mean, talk about blessed. That, that, that God has come and He's dealt with our rebellion against Him. That, that He's forgiven us for, for showing Him the metaphorical finger. Um, I mean, think about it for a moment. If, if there wasn't forgiveness for transgression. That's a curse. That, that is, oh, what sorrow. Because 
I mean, we might have a good time in this life now, but when Jesus comes, when God returns to judge the living and the dead, and we'd stand before his throne, and if there was no forgiveness, God would turn his back on us. And he would cast us out away from all that is good and joyful and happy and, 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 and anything of, of worth. I mean, without forgiveness for transgressions, there is just misery. Isn't it great that we can say, wow, what joy that God does forgive. That God does forgive. That, he's, that He takes our transgressions, our, our wrongdoings, and he, and he lifts them off our shoulders and, he, and He's put them onto Christ Himself so that He could have peace with us. Second half of verse 1 says, David, what joy, how blessed are, are the people whose sins are covered. The word that David uses for sin there is, has got this idea of, of, of missing the mark, of, of not making God's grade. I mean, God who is holy and, and perfect and just and right and true and good and, and us on a good day. We don't even come close. Because isn't it true that our sin our missing the mark exposes us for who we really are. It reveals the fact that we are sinners. I mean, think back to, to Adam and Eve, um, Genesis chapter 3-ish. They, they do the one thing that God says don't do, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of... No, they don't. Yes, they do. I always confuse those trees. They eat from the tree of the knowledge of, uh, of good and evil, not the tree of life. <laughs> and, um, and as soon as they've done that, they've, they've broken God's law, sin comes in and, and they realize that they're naked and they feel ashamed and they feel guilty and, and they run away and they hide away from God, doing their best so that God won't find them because if God finds them, God will realize that they've done the wrong thing. God will realize that they, are, that they are the people who did what he said not to do, just like Milo in the story. And they dreaded God finding them out because their sin had exposed them. And of course, God did find them out and, and he did deal with it. But, but you remember that brilliant bit right at the end of, of chapter 3 where God is sending them out into the world and, and he looks at them in their nakedness and their ashamedness and he makes clothes for them. He covers up their shame, covers up their guilt. And I mean, God still does that for us today, doesn't he? I mean, doesn't our sinfulness expose us to God's sight as, as sinners? And doesn't He come and, and just cover us with His love and, and wrap us within Himself so that, so that when God looks at us, He doesn't see us as, as people who sin, but He sees the covering of Christ. At the shop yesterday, I was um, 
going through the checkout and there was a, a little girl with her mum just in front of me and they had some chips and, a, and a, the girl had a, a packet of lollies that she was buying. And she got there and she said, Mum, I'm going to pay for this. And her mum looked at her and said, You don't have enough love. Mum's paying for this one. And isn't that what God does? I mean, sin says we don't have enough and God says, I've got you covered. I've got more than enough for you. What joy it is to to have our our wrongdoing forgiven and and, and to have our sin covered like that. What joy it is, verse 2, the first half to know that God doesn't count our sins against us. Um, uh, the word sin in, in verse 2 is actually a different word to the word in verse 1. Verse 1 is talking about our missing the mark. Uh, the word in verse 2 is, is talking about how, how we are distorted and, and broken and messed up. I mean, the idea that, that, that we are people who have the image of God in us, but it's being just perverted by evil till it's this ugly ugly thing to look at. My favorite musical is The Phantom of the Opera. Um, If I remember correctly, the reason he wears a mask is because he's a bit disfigured. And people people couldn't handle that. Great movie, The Elephant Man. Disfigured person and, and people treated him like an animal. And you know, when God, when God looks at us, uh, we are disfigured. I mean, evil has just twisted and tortured and mucked up and, and we are grotesque. And isn't it great that instead of God saying, Ugh! instead of doing that, God doesn't count it against us. God just says, I love you. And isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a joy to know that nothing can turn God off loving us? Now hopefully this is all stuff that you've all heard before, but but verse 2. Verse 2 is an interesting thing because in it David says that, that all of these great blessings this joy that we should know from, from knowing that God has forgiven us and, and, and saved us and all of these things, says David, there is a condition. It's not a condition on our being forgiven. There's a condition on our experiencing the joy of knowing that we are saved. Verse 2, the second half, says David to us, we need to have spirits in which there is no deceit. The way the uh, New Living Translation puts it, we need to live lives of complete honesty. Uh, I told you Augustine loved this psalm. He he once wrote that um, my sin is most incurable. Let me get it right. My sin is most incurable because I don't think myself a sinner. You know, isn't it amazing that God has got, He's done so much for us and, and there is such blessing and joy and happiness to be had 
And yet we are such good holders on of our sin. I mean, isn't it, I want to mince words, stupid that we would keep quiet and and, and deceive ourselves and and try to deceive God? I mean, David, verse 3, he he refused to confess his sins. He kept it quiet within himself. He I mean, don't we do the same? We pretend like we've got nothing to confess about. We, we pretend like we're all okay. We, we pretend like, like we've got it made, like, like we aren't transgressors, like we aren't disfigured, like we hit the mark every time. When we know I mean, David couldn't hide his sin. Thought he could. He tried his very best. He, he tried to keep quiet. And he was moderately successful, I think. You know, if you go into my house, you'll, you'll see that the front room, the, the lounge room, is usually pretty tidy, unless you catch me on a bad day. I, I like people to think that I'm a tidy person. But, go to any other room in the house. And you'll know the truth. <laughs> you can check a Monday night. I'll tidy for you. <laughs> but isn't that what we do? We tidy up the bits that people are going to see. And we shove everything away and we hide the bits that we don't want people to see. We try it on with God as well. We, we, we try and translate that sort of thing into our spiritual lives. I mean, so many of us have at some point, are at the moment. All of us will at some stage in our lives, unfortunately, live a lie. We live with, with our own secret pet sin hidden away where nobody else can see it. I mean, that incident with David and Bathsheba, I I reckon he thought he got away with it. He kept on ruling the country. I'm I'm sure he went along to the daily sacrifices or however frequently sacrifices at the temple. He just kept on going. Nobody will know. God will never find out what I've done. But the effect of, of of this holding it in this, of this refusing to confess when we know that what we are hiding is wrong. David knew that what he had done was wrong, but and the effect of that, like Milo, is, is, is misery. I mean, what David describes in, in verses 3 of, of the psalm is it's just an overbearing sense of guilt hanging over his life. This, 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 this constant groaning, it, it sounds to me as I read that, that bit of the psalm that it sounds like a, a depression and, and, and it's, it's a depression which, which bled over from the psychological to the physical. He, he felt oh, sapped as in the, in, in the heat of summer. He, he felt his body fading away he, and, 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 and it went from psychological to, to physical to, to spiritual. He, he says, verse 4, I, I felt like God's hand was upon me. Staying awake nights. 
Luke so-and-so finds out. David, what did Nathan the prophet find out? You see, David, as he wrote this psalm, as, as he speaks about his life here, he knew that he was a chosen child of God. He was, he was sure that, that God had him in his hands, but, but he knew that he'd missed the mark and, and his secret sin, whatever it was in the psalm, was just eating away at him. And the stupid thing is that even though he was trying to keep it quiet, he knew, verse 4, that God knew. You know, I'm so glad that God doesn't play along with our cover-ups. I mean, have you ever watched little kids playing hide-and-seek? They are useless at it. Or stand behind this thing and say, come and find me. I mean, that, that's, that's the quality of our cover-ups when it comes to God. It's not, it's not even... God knows. And, and, and he just keeps on coming and says, like the mother in the children's story, is there something you want to tell me? I'm your dad. I have saved you. Do you want to tell me something? And that's the key to happiness. The key to peace is, is facing up. It's such a simple answer. Confess. But it is so, oh, such a difficult thing to do. And we feel like if we confess that that we'll be jumped on. That we'll be judged. That, 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 that it'll be terrible for us. You know, the one thing that David feared the most, God finding out about what he had done in the psalm, he breaks in, in verse, four, he says, uh, verse 4, verse 5, he says, and then I confessed. And, and instead of God turning on him and, oh, what have you done, David? God turns to him and David says, and you forgave me. I confessed my sin and you forgave me. I mean, God doesn't turn around and attack us when we confess to him. He's, he, he turns to us, he looks at us and he says, look, of course I'll forgive you. I, I love you. You're my child. I died for you. Look, the truth is you were forgiven so long ago on the cross. I've already paid the price. You might be a great sinner, but, but son, daughter, I am so much a greater saviour. I mean, I love the way God works when we stop trying to cover up our own little unrighteousness, our own little sins. God comes along and He says, covered. Properly done. I mean, Paul knew what David was on about. He quotes this psalm, the first two verses in Romans chapter 4, and, and the point he's making there is, is that our, our, our righteousness is not by works, but, but through faith, by, by, by believing in God and and the only thing that we need to do to, to know the joy of following Jesus is to cry out to God and say, God, save me. I'm a sinner. I've got a pet sin that I've been hiding away and God will say, I know it's dealt with. It's 
how does this all fit into our series on, on peacemakers? Well, I think James, again, I've mentioned it a few times now, James chapter 4 where he says, well, what causes these fights and these quarrels amongst you? Isn't it your evil desires inside of you that you, that you fight and you quarrel and you murder and you argue and, uh, because you want something for yourself? In other words, isn't there conflict between people because there is sin within people? I, I pray that we become a happy, happy church. I think we are. Because we can be happy, yeah. <laughs> and, and let's be serious about living honestly before God. Instead of trying to, to hide away our sins, let's take them to God. Let's take refuge in God, my my hiding place, says David. My protector, my the one who surrounds me with songs of victory, the one who surrounds me with love. And if we're being honest with God, when appropriate, shouldn't we be honest with each other? I mean, if if we are all confessing sinners. <laughs> There is no way that we should should judge somebody when somebody confesses to us. Shouldn't we like God turn and say, well, you're my brother, you're my sister. I mean, what's going to bring peace if we do that or if we turn around and, and scorn and judgment and oh, I hate you. One John one, verse nine, I believe. <laughs> if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you mind if I do something which I've never done before, and play you a song? And the words are on the computer. Ryan, if you want. As I was preparing my sermon this week, I was looking.